You're listening to Insights for Living with Pastor Boju Oyemade. Pastor Boju is the senior pastor of the Covenant Nation. All right, this morning I want to uh, teach on uh, the subject of God's kindness, uh, what is referred to as the goodness and the mercy of the Lord that we talk about so often in Psalm 23. And uh, I will start from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. It tells us that in the ages to come, that he, that's God, might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. So it tells us God's purpose for the ages to come, that in the ages to come, that God might show the exceeding riches, that's wealth, of his grace, in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. So God wants to use his children as a point of contact, as a way of demonstrating the riches or the wealth of his grace, and for humanity to experience the kindness of God on the earth. Now, he positioned us in Jesus to get this done. If we start reading from Ephesians all right, 2 and verse 1, it tells us that in time past, and you have it quickened who are dead in trespasses and in sins, all right, wherein in time past you walked according to the cause of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we also had a conversation, that's behavior, in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his love wherewith he loved us, rich in mercy, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. And then he says, has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus for one purpose, that in the ages to come, which is now, and dispensations after this, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. So it speaks about the exceeding riches. We're going to say this morning, wealth of his grace. He wants to lavish upon us through his kindness towards us, or in his kindness towards us, through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. So he wants us as his children, just like a father saying, 
Now I have determined and I have purposed that my children, it is through the lives of my children, I am going to demonstrate how wealthy and rich I am. So I'm going to lavish upon my children the riches of the wealth that I possess. And so immediately after that, you are going to see upon those children in their lives a distinction, clear distinction, that a decision has been made by their father who is a person of enormous wealth or mother. All right? And so they are demonstrating that. So the condition in the lives of the children dramatically changed. I mean, it was Sam um, Walter, or Ryan Waldman, right, who said that. They asked him, they said, and I felt there was some wisdom in what he was saying. They said, how come you drive, who was the wealthiest man in America at that time, how come you drive trucks and your children drive Cadillacs and all these expensive cars? He said, because my own father was poor, but their own father is rich, all right? In other words, I'm living according all right, to how I was trained by my own father, who had nothing, but they are now demonstrating the wealth of their own father. So God says he wants us to be examples on this earth, all right, points of contact, as we demonstrate the riches of his grace. So this morning, I have two, an assignment, one to demonstrate what the riches in practical terms of this grace is in his kindness towards us. And then number two, to show us how to position ourselves to receive this benefit from the Father. So let's look at this, first of all, in 2 Samuel, all right, uh, chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4. Mephibosheth is the example we want to use. All right. So Mephibosheth is going to be the one, all right, we're going to use as the point of contact here. Now, uh, there's some background to Mephibosheth. All right, very powerful story. Uh, the Bible tells us, before we show it, that Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son, and he was lame in his feet, and he was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. Now, what had happened was Mephibosheth was the grandson of Saul and the son of Jonathan. And what happened was while war was going on and Jonathan and Saul died, uh, tidings came, news came from the battlefield that Saul was dead and Jonathan, his father, was dead. And so the nurse, in that scripture, and his nurse, the caregiver, took him up and fled. And it came to pass that as she made haste to flee, she was running with the boy, she fell. And he became lame. Now note these things. And his name was Mephibosheth. So here we have the grandson of Saul, all right, and the son of Jonathan. And as they ran away, or as the nurse heard about what happened, and she ran, all right, in fear, as to the news that she had heard, she must have tripped 
and falling from an awkward position, my Mephibosheth there fell, and he became permanently lame, crippled. Then we get to 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1, and we see this. And David said, is there yet? So David was on the throne now reigning. And then something came to the mind of David, such a great man. He said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, David here now decides to show kindness. I want us to understand what it means when God says, I will show the riches of my grace, the wealth of my grace in my kindness towards you through Jesus Christ. Now, when you obtain the wealth of grace, which means grace will purchase things for you in life, money cannot buy. We are talking about the riches of God's glory bestowed upon a person on this earth. And we see that David got up and said, I want to show kindness to any of Saul's house, all right, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. So this person was going to become a beneficiary of the kindness of God, all right, for the sake of Jonathan. As we are beneficiaries of God's kindness for the sake of Jesus Christ. So it's through Jesus or it's through Jonathan, Mephibosheth was going to obtain this. As we obtain things through the sacrifice of Jesus. In other words, after Jesus did it, God said, now, I'm going to show the exceeding riches of my grace in my kindness towards you through Jesus. So David got up and said, is there any? And that's why when people talk about, you know, I don't read Old Testament, they say it's Old Testament. Your Old Testament gives the explanation of certain things, which means you won't know how these things play out in everyday life. All right, you may get the theology right from, from the letters of Paul, but when you bring those things in context now into what was written in the Old Testament, then what you're going to see and the veil is off, you'll see how these things will play out in your office. You'll see how these things will play out in your family. You will see in practical terms how this thing will play out in business. You don't just have the definition of the words from the New Testament, but you now have the wisdom as to how this thing works. Now look at what happened here. So David said, is there any? I will show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Verse 2. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. Note that name. This character, is, is, there's a lot of wisdom we're going to get. And when he had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Are thou Ziba? He said, Thy servant is he. And then the king said unto him, Is there yet, not yet any? Now this is David. Of the house of Saul, that I may show him, show the kindness of God unto him. This kindness. And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame in his feet. Now understand this. Why was it that David was looking for any of, how come it wasn't apparent? How come uh, Ziba now said, look, look, there is one son left. What had happened? All right? And he's lame in his feet. What had happened was, 
when there was no rain for three and a half years, David went and inquired of God. And, and, and God told him, he said, look, this rain has been stopped because the Gibeonites have cursed Israel. And it came as a result of an agreement that Joshua had to the Gibeonites that he, and, and Saul came on the throne and, 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 and broke that covenant and God called Saul a bloody man. He said, a bloody man, Saul. And David went and rectified it, but in rectifying it, they had to give seven sons, right, of Saul there, had to be submitted, and they were hung on the tree there, or hung there, in order for rain to fall. Now, so Saul's lineage had gotten wiped out. So David said, is there not anybody? Now, I believe the only reason why Mephibosheth was, was still around was because he was lame. When they were looking for people, they said, leave the lame one there. Sometimes your infirmity becomes your security. I want to show you something. What actually was what you are complaining about is what God is using to position you. Now, let's go on here. So we see this. And the king said, all right, okay, next verse, verse 4. And the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he's in the house of Micah, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. And the king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Micah, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, look at what Mephibosheth did. He fell on his face, please note this, and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. Verse 7, And David said unto him, Fear not. Now look at what kindness is. For I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. And I will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Verse 8, And he bowed himself and said, what is thy servant that thou should look upon him, such a dead dog as I am? And the king called unto Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants, he told Ziba did, shall till the land for him. And thou shalt bring in the fruits, this is kindness, and thy master's son may, be, may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants himself. Next verse. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king had commanded the servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. In other words, what happened to Mephibosheth, who was in Lodabar there, he was brought out. It's like them in everyday life, calling you out of a certain place and saying that, and we're going to see the kind of wealth he had, you have now been given, all right, you are now a member you have, you have been appointed a member, this is what they did to Mephibosheth, of a board. And this is a massive conglomerate. And they said, listen, this entire department, this entire section of the business, 
all the revenue that is generated from this entire section shall be, all right, what will be distributed to you at the end of the year. All you have to do is come and sit at the table with us and have these meetings with us. You are, we will bestow this on you. And Mephibosheth said, who am I? Folks, when the wealth of God's kindness touches you, you will say, who am I to deserve this? You will stand up and look at it and say, what have I done on this earth? So now being given this, who am I? This is what you will experience in your heart. Who am I? This is what you will say. And he said, who am I? In other words, when Peter experienced the mercy of God, when he, when he caught the abundance of fish, he said, I'm a sinner. What he was saying was, I don't deserve this. If you look at me, I don't deserve. What have I done to have accessed this kind of thing? This is what God says in the ages to come. He wants to start bestowing a kindness and start demonstrating the riches of his grace. The wealth of his grace, we will see this. When he says that I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus, he's talking about this. He says in heaven we don't have money as a currency. What we have we will bestow on you. All right? And when we bestow this mercy on you, then you will understand. You will enter into the riches of God's glory. When he tells us in Psalm 121, as the servant looks to the hand of his master and the maiden to the hand of her mistress. And then he says, so our eyes, all right, sorry, verse Psalm 123. So our eyes wait upon thee, O Lord, until you have mercy upon us. We, we are talking about the kindness, the mercy of God coming into the life of a person. This is kindness he wants to show. We see this again in the life of Ruth, if I get into it. Ruth chapter 2, verse 19 and verse 20. Ruth chapter 2. Now, put up the New King James Version. It's easier, all right, to read. And her mother-in-law said unto her, that's Ruth, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? This was playing out in work life. That's why I like what people call Old Testament. Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Now here the mother-in-law's reply. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forgotten his kindness. So Naomi began to see that just the positioning in the workplace and by chance she falling on the fields of Boaz was an act of God's kindness, and something was going to happen. Who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead? In other words, God does not forget. Even when people are gone, he still, this kindness still manifests. Jonathan was gone when God moved on the heart of David to show kindness to his son. He says, and Naomi said, this man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. So what happened was, by this kindness here, Ruth, that was a Moabite, that it is written, thou shalt not marry if one of the tribes was Moabite. You can't go to the Gentiles, go and go and marry. God told them no Moabite. Ruth now got in, all right, and got married to Boaz. 
became the grandmother of David. Out of her own lineage there, Jesus came out. All right? For it was 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to Jesus. All right? Moab, Moabite was brought into that place. And this is the wealth. The money can't, couldn't have bought her this. This is what is called the wealth, the riches of his grace, where they just simply say by lots, they are dividing things, and it so happens that your lines fall into pleasant places, and now you are now in the field of Boaz, and, and that's how everything started. So we are talking about the riches here. When God shows kindness to a person, one dose of God's kindness in time will last, all right, it's transgenerational. Not to come and talk about God repeatedly visiting us in acts of kindness and bestowing the wealth of his grace upon us through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what he wants to say, all right, in the ages to come he wants to do so that people look at us and say, truly, it is not of him that runneth, neither is it of him that willeth but it's of God that shows kindness to a person. That when the mercy of God enters into the life of a person, the leap that person takes, what they enter into, right, there's absolutely nothing you can do in the natural to have gotten yourself into that particular type of position. But let's look further. How then do you as a person, and this is where we get into the meat of it now, all right, receive this kindness? Because sometimes we do things that when God's kindness is coming into our lives, we literally push the kindness away by our attitude. For this kindness shall be made manifest in your interactions with people. This is not something that is detached. And why are we not, are people not experiencing the wealth of God's grace as much as they should? Because I believe, all right, in people's behavioral pattern. And God repeatedly wants to correct that by taking us into crisis. That's why he says, let patience have a perfect work. Let patience, he says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. He's trying to get something out of you. We'll see this. And what he's trying to get out is what will hinder him from showing you that kindness. Which means if you do it right... If you handle it right, all right, you are not concerned about yourself. You are not concerned about, you handle that thing right. He will remove. That's why it says, let patience have a perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. There's something he wants to get out. Because the things that we do there, the Bible says, who can understand his errors? All right? The errors people don't understand. All right? Cleanse me from secret faults. The reason why Ruth safely got to that place was because there was Naomi standing over her, advising her. We'll see this. The reason why Esther did not blow it was because Mordecai was there, giving her advice and coaching her. And this is where mentors come, which means people that stand up and tell you that, look, once they begin to see the acts of God's kindness and things begin to show up, don't blow it. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. All right? Naomi stood there and said, listen, calm down. Be still. Just be quiet. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. This thing is God, and it starts unfolding by himself. Let's look at 2 Samuel here and see what happened. 
Now, remember Ziba? Remember Mephibosheth when he met David? He said, who am I? A dead dog that you should show this kindness to. He bowed down before David and was reverent. Now, let's go on here. 2 Samuel chapter 16, 1 to 3. Now, and when David was little past the top of the hill, and I'll give the history of this, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met with him. Now, what had happened? Absalom had led a rebellion against David and came into Jerusalem. David had run out of Jerusalem, all right, because of the, of the rebellion of Absalom. Now, somewhere in David, he was a warrior, he was a fighter. But David had a weakness with his children. And that weakness that he had with his children cost David, all right, a lot in his house. Because when his son raped the sister, when the brother saw that he did nothing, David did nothing about it. That's what caused, and that began to trigger many things, all right, inside the family of David. There was just something about David that he would overlook things when he came to his children. This podcast is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. For more information, visit www.insightsforliving.org. Thank you and God bless.